In the city of lights, a darkness grew inside a man until it consumed everything around him. Issei, what are you doing, dude? and welcome to what did you do imd hello i'm charnel listen if we gave juana barraza all the spanish we're gonna give the little japanese I know i'm google i'm google translate today that's what i was doing i can't do i know a little bit of spanish that's why i'm i was i'm not afraid to say some things but i know no japanese i only know konnichiwa i had started to do it like japanese training on duolingo Duolingo, whatever. I have no idea what that is. It's an so. app. It's a lap that teaches you languages. Whatever happened to Muzzy or Muffy, whatever that was. She's out of style. Rose out of stone. She's, <laughs> she's out of style. That green monster that But that speak. Konnichiwa is the only thing I've held on to. Oh, still I'm holding on tight to hello. <laughs> is it me you're looking for? Um, um, welcome back, guys. Here we We're here. almost on time this time. Almost. I'm proud of ourselves. Um, but no, it's what it is. It's life how it works. Uh, from now on, we're we're going for the early Monday morning. You all wake up to a new episode thing as opposed to going to sleep and waking up on Tuesday with a new episode. But we are trying our best. But thank you for allowing us to be ourselves. That's what, we, that's what we're happy about. Thank uh, so you for- look, if anyone wants to come and do my homework for me while I record, I will send you the information. And right. I will be on time every if time. If we didn't have a full-time job and full-time students, it would be so much easier. I could deal with the job, but it's a whole new world once you start grad school. I was telling my sister, this is the this is just the pits. She went for her PhD. I was like, how did you live? Well, that's what she also didn't have a podcast. So that's the... <laughs> right, but, but she, you know. Well, that's my point. It's like going and being a full-time student, going to work full-time, right. trying to have a social life, trying to care about yeah, yourself and your friends and, and something creative Family. like this. Whew. It's a mess, but we do, we're doing it. Yeah, we're here. Damn it. So we're here. We have some housekeeping to get out of the way. We're sweeping up some things. Uh, I want to shout out to our new patrons, Kendra Hayward. Hey, Kendra. Shout out to you. Hayward's the last name of one of my favorite basketball players. Uh, Gordon Hayward, Boston Celtics. Talk about a glow up. This is the wrong podcast. He is fine. You're talking to uh, someone who doesn't out, know things. Shout out to Katie Smith. Hey, Katie. Who's also the name of a USA gold medalist basketball player. <laughs> what show is WNBA. This? Why like, am I doing all things Google sports? these people. You know what I'm talking about. I do not. Um, everyone who is a Patreon, Patreon, a Patreon supporter, you will get your goodies soon. Check your mailboxes. Also, make sure you have the correct addresses um in on the patreon page because there was a little bit of a hiccup with somebody before um sorry your neighbor got it like you got <laughs> like grab like, it out your neighbor's hand punch right, them but in you the gotta, face but you gotta give me the right numbers um we are gonna be in new orleans in two months yes two months less than two months uh, yeah actually less than two months now oh <sighs> i'm still fat <laughs> so am i <laughs> I'm excited for it though. We're I'm gonna be rubbing shoulders with the likes of like True Crime Garage yes, and yes. all those like Crime Junkie and you know Generation all, Y. All the True Crime girls and boys. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. Yes. But if you wanted to join us there, if you wanted to traverse the halls of the Hilton Riverside, New Orleans, <laughs> and, and do see all my that wonderful stuff, face and hear my laugh in person, you can get a discount on your standard badge by using the code YD. Try. Y- Ah oh, damn! <laughs> yep, 
It's what? W-D-Y-D, sorry. Okay, and what's the rest of it? W-D-Y-D-19. Yes, W-D-Y-D-19. <laughs> I give up on my memory. You don't understand. I'm a little old lady. Like, my birthday's around the corner. Like, I'm just aging. I have such shit memory. You say that all the time. I That's really not why significantly you're terrible. do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, that's not it. Because you're like, you're not, you're just auntie age. You're not old. Because I'm, I'm not, almost, I'm uncle age. I'm going to be 30 in five months. Yeah, you're not even 30 yet. I'm like going into my mid 30s. It's a whole you're new th- world. 33 or whatever. Yeah. That's not mid. I'm going We're into moving that. On. <laughs> If you guys, again, if you guys love listening, I know you guys come back every week, but if you guys do, uh, do us a favor, just subscribe, rate, and review, uh, tell your friends about us. It's always, uh, it's always a great way to spread the word about us. One of the goals here, which we never say every time, is to create community. Yes. And so do that. Also, speaking of community, what did you crew? I love you I guys. I love you. I love Audrey for liking my laugh. Thank you. Thank you, Audrey, for liking her laugh. He's um, not enthused. I'm just, I've been trying to teach you to laugh up. Like... I'm just worried about the editing piece. I'm not more concerned. I'm not concerned about your laugh. Well, Audrey likes my <laughs> laugh, and it makes me. Feel but I good. like your laugh as well. So thank you guys for joining the crew. Um, shout out to Bree. You know, hope little baby feels better. Her little baby broke her her arm. You oh, see that? No, it is. Yeah, she put it in the crew. So I like, hope the little baby heals quick. I know she doesn't even know what's going on. Like little babies are just hurt. Yeah, they just cry. But anyway, we are back again with a another. Uh, Twisted story. And yeah. I, uh, Issei Sagawa? Sagawa, yes. I Issei tried. Sagawa. You did it. You did it. I tried it. And I wanted to start this uh, episode off with a quote. He's a lot, y'all. He is. And I think this quote, I got this quote from the interview with the Cannibal Vice uh, interview that they did with him because he is not in prison and we'll no. get to why. No, he's not. <laughs> and so I think this quote kind of encompasses his mindset here. Uh, he tells Vice that sometimes I wonder why I did such a horrible thing. Maybe it's because I come from another planet or another dimension, and I accidentally fell to Earth like a meteorite. Disguised as a baby, crying on the street, and my mother walked by and took pity on me. I must have come from a place of cannibals, and I'm the only one of my kind who exists on this planet. That is the mindset. Whatever comic book intro that was, I don't want any parts of that. That sounded like the beginning of a superhero, like Superman, but you are not. Avengers. Stop your nonsense. I don't want any parts of your superhero beginnings in your mind. That's It's intense. But I think it does a great job of illustrating exactly who we're talking about today. what we're about to deal with. And what we're about to walk through. And just um, trigger warnings. If you don't. Cannibalism. Yeah, cannibalism. If you can't, the there's some details in here. Bestiality. Yeah. <laughs> We're here. Um, this is <laughs> not my fault. To- I chose. I didn't choose this. But I also say like I don't choose gruesome things. But I tried to laugh away that time. You did. I job. chose a gruesome thing this time. This was pretty brutal for me. So D, I will actually let you do it this time. I, I said the same, but you get to walk us through. The birth, the birth canal. I can't talk. Go ahead. Well, I always walk us through a good birth. And this birth took place in April 26, 1949 in Kobe, Hagogo. Kobe, Japan. Yeah. (laughs) I want to say the whole thing. (laughs) Kobe, Japan. Um, So he was born premature. He was so small that he actually could fit in the palm of his father's hand. That's how tiny he was. Um, so being that small as a child, your parents are automatically protective of you. 
Um, so his parents were very protective of him, and his parents were very wealthy. That they were. Yes. So his parents were able to give him a lot, protect him a lot. Um, he was actually like growing up the same height as his younger brother. So they often treated them like twins. Mm. It was that so he never got that feeling of being the older sibling because he was just so small in stature and he continued to be small in stature going forward. So that affected him his whole life um, in school, how he viewed himself and everything. And he was also very sickly. Early on, he was very sick and in and out of the hospital. So this is his beginnings. Um, they said he was very smart, incredibly smart. Yeah. But besides from that, he was always like, again, a little awkward because of his stature. Growing up, one of the things that he stated was, his uncle used to play with him and his brother's game where he would put them in pots and pretend to eat them. So foreshadowing. I mean, my brother I mean, used it's to a put little me... innocent game that most people have played. Like put the little kids in the pot and be like, I'm going to eat you. It's like little innocent, you know, little game. But in this case, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say my brother used to lock me in the, the oven sometimes and threaten to turn it on trauma. <laughs> but what are you going to do? That went, that went real dark. <laughs> uh, Segawa, though, on that note, experienced his first desires for cannibalism and the desire to eat people in the first grade after seeing this male's thigh. So this is your six and you're thinking about eating people. Yeah, there, there's a weird uh, kind of line of thinking going here. Uh, and also, when I when I when I heard that, I was thinking, is there some kind of underlying queerness that he's not right. addressing? Because I thought it was only me. It's the description too. He calls the boy handsome, right? And so when he later on speaks about women, it's more like an attraction, but jealous of their appearance. Very true. And that's where I was like. <laughs> Those two things combined made me think. Is there's, there something there's some, some repression happening. His, I think he said it. Well, he said his upbringing was very traditional Japanese, right. so I'm sure that went into him repressing those feelings as well. Um, growing up now into his teenage years, he started to get you know feel sexual attraction, but it Things was only, get weird, right? He like you know associated so now he's associating his cannibalism with sexual feelings so now he's looking at women like not only i want to eat them but now i'm sexually attracted to them and i think the other thing we just talked about repression here uh repression just to make sure i'm speaking properly um is because he grew up very traditional sex was very taboo in his house like you don't in a lot of houses you know you your parents don't want to talk about sex because parents get kind of dense in the way of, if I talk about it, they're going to have it. Like, no, if they're educated on it, yeah. they can protect themselves. They're going to have it regardless. Well, some some don't. Some don't, a lot, but you're going to ma- hope they have the, majority, the information yeah, that they need. The majority of children are, like or teenagers aren't actually having True. sex. But, like, the ones that do should be educated Informed. in ways how to protect themselves or, mm-hmm. or know what consent and things look like. So he has no real idea. And this is also, again, this is not the this is not the digital age where you can just go Google your questions so about sex. So what happens with him with his lack of sexual knowledge? His lack of sexual knowledge and his lack of understanding of social... Well, I mean, he knows it's wrong. But again, there's no one critiquing or telling him or following it up outside of the bedroom. And so he actually describes getting his getting erections and thinking he was sick. 
and being embarrassed and being ashamed of them. And also not knowing what to do with said thing, he turns to bestiality at one point, um, using his dog as a tool to to uh whatever. Yeah, so, we don't need details. Yeah. So it's <laughs> so that's where that's where he is in his in this mindset. So there's a lot of things that should be confronted and unpacked and worked through that no psychiatrist has been talked about yet because again, it's the secrets that make you sick. He's holding all he these had a things. A lot of in. secrets, boy. Yeah. Um, so, so that was pretty much disorders. his upbringing, <laughs> but I wanted to speak a little bit on his self-image because he had a lot of self-image things going on. Like I said many times in the beginning that he was small and sickly his whole life. He was the same size as his yeah. younger brother. He was a little, well, growing. Yeah. I think his younger brother became taller than him. Yeah, the But end. he was a little over, at adulthood, he was a little over 4'11". Right. He was not, not even five feet. So his self-image of himself, even when he speaks about himself as a baby, was this little ugly ape-like thing. Like he, he said he looked like a little monkey when he was little. Yeah. Um, yeah there was an do. interview with, huh? What? I, was like, I feel like all infants are not cute. <laughs> like newborns make me crawl. Go ahead. <laughs> so um, his self-image was already very bad. Um, yeah. His parents, he described his parents as loving and supportive of him. Um, and he seemed like he was almost saying it, like, despite how I looked and how I came out, they loved me regardless. Like, it was very strange the way he said it. Like, he didn't expect his own parents to really love him. Um, but that grew, or that sh- those thoughts of himself made him think of, I guess, situational ways that he could fix it. And in his head, the way he could fix this was to eat people that were completely opposite of how he looked and how, you know, his height and all of that. Yeah, because he want, he thought that, and there's a lot of things that, there's a lot of thinking in this. There's a lot of like weird alternative medicines and things about people having energy, right? right. I think it was like mesmerism. I think it was just listening to lore or something and like re-triggered the thought I had about this the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there's a lot of things about people's energy and people are always look to consume. And if you think about witches and you you want to absorb the youth of someone and then you Auras. become... Right. Um, and so he's like thinking, that. like, if I eat these people, mm-hmm. I'm gaining five, six inches easy, you right. know? And sir, that's not how things work, but that's just who you are now. So, you know, think about, I don't know if that's what he associated when he was as young as like first grade and was seeing this guy and was like, okay, well, maybe this is a way to make me taller by consuming him. But that was his thinking. Um, Definitely at the end. Yeah, it gets odd. And so he's a bit older now and he's, and he's traversing his way through uh, Japan. Yes. Uh, ends up in Tokyo and he comes across a young, pretty blonde woman on the street. Right. Um, immediately feels a, what do you would call this? Uh, a companion. I don't want to call him companion. That's not true. Well, it's like a longing, right? Well, you know? What he said was, and this is from his mouth, up to a certain point, like he's been holding back these cannibalistic feelings and he was looking for a sign. Right. And he was looking for something specific, which was the 
the Western European type of look, tall, beautiful, glamorous type of look. So he's everyone's just taller than you, dude. Like that's not <laughs> that's not a Western thing. It's just that you're not average height anywhere. That's right, right. <laughs> so like, I mean, but we could talk about like how Eurocentric standards of beauty blind us all and do. Things, I mean, but... for him, I was like, why is my skin going not good enough? I remember thinking about this, like, what's wrong with my skin tone? But you like, also have to think about how many black okay. people you saw in Japan. Probably not many, right? So thinking about how many Europeans traveled on business around this time right. in the 70s. Right. So it's like things like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are black people were out here handling business, but we were not like... In Japan like that. Like, like permeating Asia right. in the same way that white businessmen were. Yep. And he meets this he meets this blonde woman on the street. And this was his sign. That was That's his it. sign. That's it. And he decides to follow her and sneaks into her apartment at night. Mm-hmm. Gets into her bedroom. And finds her. She's sleeping naked, as people do when they're home alone. I mean, I do. And he's like kind of watching her because his plan was to get in there, find her awake, mm-hmm. knock her unconscious, and then go to the kitchen and slice her up, eat her. Mm-hmm. It's not what happened. So no. he decides she's already asleep. I'm going to go to the kitchen. Nudges her slightly on his way past her, startles her. She screams. Mm-hmm. Obviously startled that there's a man uninvited in her home. Mm-hmm. The police are called and he's arrested. Right. Apparently she like wrestled him and she he describes her as being surprisingly strong. Like he did not expect. I mean, she was like tall too. She's like a 5'10". She was a tall lady. Um, right. And I just, he thought he would be able to f- wrestle her, but he wasn't able to. He's also like 115 pounds. He just, he's a whisper of a pound. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, but he, he actually had this intent that he would be able to fight her, though, which is just very interesting to me. Which I could see bruising egos. Yeah, thought process. Like, his thought process was interested. Yeah, but he, uh, you would think, right? He gets, he gets arrested. He gets charged with attempted rape, but for some reason, Ditas don't stick. N- no. Well, he, he, so obviously he kept his true intense away from the authority right. and one of them but you know daddy had money so mm-hmm. daddy did what he had to do for his baby boy and paid off the german lady who later on dropped the charges uh, so charges are dropped but so frightened by what his son attempted to do he made him go see a psychiatrist now this psychiatrist said look he's a dangerous man i don't know what was happening <laughs> when he was coming up but you might want to get him monitored and you might want to get him some help um, it can't be me, but it could be like, and daddy and you say they both decided, nah, that's nah. not God's will for my life. No. And as a matter of fact, five years later, he moves. Right. Uh, all the way to Paris. Right. So what's crazy is like, you know, I think we've seen this a few times too in other episodes, how the psychiatrist warns again. We saw this with Andrea Leigh, yeah. how the psychiatrist warns, like they did the, what they're supposed to do, got the help that they were supposed to need or, you know, do for the person. And then... When they get their answers, nothing comes up, or it, they don't listen. It's like we give you a we give you this path to healing, right. or balance, and you're like, yeah, but that don't really fit into what I'm trying to do. So right, and you know, we talk about a lot of people how like they didn't get psychiatric help, but right. there's a reminder of like there are people out there that do get the psychiatric help. We do give them the warning, and nothing comes from it. It's all about it's that old trope of you can't help people who don't want to help themselves, but some people. 
don't know they need to be helped. So it's up to us around the people around them. Like, hey, man, that's why we talk about most serial killer cases. Right. When people who go in with these like the antisocial traits and things like that, mm-hmm. they they don't get picked up usually until they get outside of their brand of quote unquote crazy at home. So you're at college and everyone's like, dude, that's not okay. <laughs> you can't do things like that. Right. And, or you can't say things like that. And that's when things get challenged and checked. And Right. But here was an incident that gave the opportunity for you to, <laughs> to make sure this doesn't happen but again. But still, again, outside of that scope of where he usually is. Remember, he was, Kobe is not Tokyo. so No, but he was, he was still this, living with his parents. I know. But right. I'm just saying, it's this new space, new place. And like usually is where things like this happen. It's like mm-hmm. you go to act out, and someone's like, "No, <laughs> like, stop this." Uh, so, in April twenty sixth is actually his twenty eighth birthday. Issei uh, moves in nineteen seventy seven to Paris to study comparative literature at Sorbonne. I don't know. I almost gave it a Spanish accent. University. Sorbonne. Yeah, and while studying in Paris, you know his thoughts of cannibalizing women went from sitting on his mental back burner to front and center in his mind. Remember, he is motivated by these tall right. Western European women, and now he is surrounded, surrounded by them. Surrounded by them. So 24/7. He's just amps up his urges and all his thoughts about it go into skyrocket. Um, at this point, <laughs> go, into <laughs> go into skyrocket. Listen, yes, go into skyrocket. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be a teacher. You're tired. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> Always tired. Like, there is no time that I'm not tired. Okay? <laughs> goes, goes into Skyrocket. Yes. That's going to be the song I write. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to play me. Anyways. <laughs> um. So, now he's, you know, having, st- like, prostitutes come home with him every night. Mm. Um, attempting to shoot them. But he would freeze up. And he wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, we find he's got a lot of, um, for someone who has these tendencies mm-hmm. uh, or these wants and these desires to to cannibalize or to harm and to perform extreme violence, mm-hmm. usually people who have these urges have gone unchecked needs an allowance. They need a trigger. They need permission. Right. Something needs to happen to let it, to let them do it. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, his is just not clicking. Something's not clicking over for him. And so, constant flow of uh, European, tall, pretty women in and out, but it's not doing it. But in this same moment here, he finds uh, what I don't want to call a muse, because a muse usually has a positive connotation to it. Right. But he finds an obsession, a fascination with a specific woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, during this time, he makes this really unspoken, and at the time, I'd say unrequited connection. There's no romantic things here. Not at all. Um, with another student at university in one of his literature classes, he laid eyes on Renee Hartvelt. Who he drew pictures of. That's yes. how he was obsessed. A tall, attractive student studying for her PhD in French literature. Smart, beautiful, well-read. Um, so now he has an object of his obsession, and he was determined to get her to himself. And so he was kind of longing for these classes every time. I mean, we've all had... Crushes, crushes where you go out of your way like in a, ha- a hallway to make sure you saw them or say hello um but he was drawing up plans in his head to try to get one this woman to pay attention to him because he has these very devious plans for her and what happens kind of unfortunately for Ren- uh, renee here is that traveling home on the train one afternoon he looks up and sees no one else but renee sitting a few chairs down 
uh, from him. And they they strike up conversation because she recognizes him from the literature class. Uh, and they have a very casual conversation. And, you know, he's re- usually a shy guy, but she starts realizing he's got some intellect under there. He's really smart. And so that's what happens. He actually manipulates her into sharing a lot more about herself, uh, which, again, he had a, he was smart. He can, he's a charmer too. Some people would say he was charismatic. Um, and so she starts telling about, she speaks three languages, English, mm-hmm. German, French. Uh, also starts saying that she doesn't have a lot of money. She's going for a PhD. I expect her to be poor, right? <laughs> and so he sees an opening right there. And so he says, I've always wanted to learn German because I'm a huge fan of, you know, German poetry and I would love to write it in its native, uh, language and I will pay you to tutor me. And so now he has a reason to continuously see Renee. And of course, being a, a poor student, she accepts. And so he had planned for the first quote-unquote German lesson, their tutoring session, to strike. That was going to be the time he finally enacts these these insane, dangerous, incredibly violent plans. And Renee shows up and nothing happens. Again, freezes. Stage fright. Doesn't do anything. Part of me, part of me listening to him talk about it, part of me believes that he did in fact like Renee because they spent a lot of time together. They went to right, concerts. Right. They went to try new restaurants. They, she wrote about him to her right. parents as like a friend. Yeah, she was enjoying, she thought she made a just awesome, new, interesting friend, this cultured friend. Mm-hmm. And he's, I think he was experiencing that as well, but also feeling, having these paraphilic like disorder bouncing around in his head well this is where it becomes sad because i feel like this is one of the first people he has a real connection to true um he didn't have many friends growing up he wasn't popular and for you to be thinking about taking the life the one person that you're connected to must be difficult yeah because we all long for connection even a socio sociopath sometimes fake the longing for connection but there's a there's a dissonance here and you'll, we, you love your cognitive dissonance. It's it's what moves everything, man. And I'm telling you, it's I've written like so many papers and gotten good grades <laughs> <laughs> based on that. And just in terms of like where people stand. So if you don't, that dysfunction, that tension mm-hmm. drives people to do things right. to correct it. And sometimes that's extreme things, i.e., slavery. Sometimes it's like all these things. So it's um. So we have here. Um, that he, he's beating himself up every time she comes over. He's, he's a coward, you know, he's not jumping on it. You know, he's got this passion and nothing's moving. Mm-hmm. And so again, all this, all this buildup, all this buildup, and he realizing that, you know. I could now, just imagine the, sorry, self-talk that's going on in his head right. where he's just like, why are you being so weak? Like, it's just so many things that left it. You know, self-talk is another big thing about behaviors. And he was probably having that discussion about, you're so weak. If you don't do this, you'll be weak forever. You need to become strong. You need you need her energy. You need her. Like, I imagine, like, the conflict. Just I'm the thinking, conflict. like, Smeagol, like Lord of the Rings. Like, I mean, that's a very never, dramatized I've and never, insensitive I've way of talking. Okay. <laughs> Talk about not being cultured. But here we are. Uh, get be better. I don't know why it's terrible, but you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of struggle happening in his head. He's the, he's actually at some point he starts questioning the morality of it. Right? He starts talking about whether or not I should be trying to kill Renee. Right. Like, should I even be doing this at all? Like, this is not okay. Self awareness is a great step to getting help, and he doesn't follow through with it. I mean, he has so many steps to getting help. Really, right. though, you're absolutely right. <laughs> but she shows up once again nights later. And he was hyped up, souped up to go. And right at the last second, 
he was faced with the reality of what he was going to do to her. And all these things were just overwhelming and, again, did not do it. Like, false start, false start, false start, constantly. And so one of the things I thought here, too, that got creepy is not only is he self-talk, like you said, the self-talk, the self-talk. but he's recorded her voice reading German to him as right. the lie he said was so I can practice with the like with the words that I know. Right? I heard that he was also going to use it for like an assignment as well. Yeah, like yeah, he's so she has no problem reading aloud to him. He loves read, having her read aloud to him. And so all these Which things- is this weird maternal thing to have a woman read out loud to you, even if it's a different language. So all of that is very like I just want to point out that Michelle Obama reads to me through audible.com. And <laughs> I enjoy it. Uh but no, so all these things keep happening. So he he's got that, he's at home by himself listening to her voice, obsessing, while mm-hmm. also talking to himself. Well, all these things are just running together on him. And so I mentioned earlier that he loves going to class because he gets to see her. Right. And so he would always look forward to class together until one day after one of the lectures, one of the people in their classmate group suggested they go out to a Greek restaurant for dinner. Right. And Issei agrees simply because Renee was going and right. he wanted to go. And Renee was like, I'm down. He's down. And so, so Issei, who people described as affable, right? He wasn't unlikable right he was just a little awkward (laughs) he was just an awkward small dude he tried his hardest to make friends with his Mm -hmm. classmates because that's what you do if renee's made friends with them uh and his japanese heritage was a major point obviously these people most of them are european they don't really know much about japanese exposed to the culture and And stuff like that so he's bringing something new to the place through his culture diversity yes yes and so he jumps on this as a way to kind of get everybody involved and he says, I'll make you Japanese food. Come to my apartment on this day. Um, I'll prepare the special dish. And initially, everybody in the group says, yes, we're going to be there, Issei. We're showing up to your apartment. But, however, when June 11th came around that day, people started to fall off. No, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And the reason why, it was funny because Issei says this, is that he expected his classmates to decline or flake up, flake because he knew they perceived him as weird and off-putting at times. So he was hoping on that. And the only person to show up for dinner on June 11th of 1981 was Renee. He has this weird self-awareness, but I'm not going to do anything about it. But I could critique myself to the very fine points thing going on with him. It's a means to an end at this like point. He's, like, he's just very strange and aware. Like, you know how... You know what it is? I'm used to a lot of sociopath and people with that kind of thinking and i don't that's why i hesitate to call them a sociopath to think that they're bigger than they are right to think that they're better than they are he never put that out there. yeah there's no like like, nothing of no grandeur no grandeur thoughts nothing (laughs) just (laughs) i am the worst i am awkward weird small and that's gonna be Mm. enough to get what i want from people like it's so weird to talk about owning like, yeah. he's like, I'm going to be weird enough that these people are going to say it not to be polite, be, right? but and then flake out. That's just so weird to me because I'm so used to the opposite when we talk about these cases. Like this, 
I could get away with it. I'm wonderful. La da da da. Like not at all. Right. You're not. Usually, I'm smarter. I'm better I'm looking. Smarter. I'm I don't know why people don't like me. It's like it's a supreme gentleman. gentleman. It's like I drive the nicest cars. Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Never going back to those voices again. But uh, you're a liar. But June, I'm 100 percent lying. <laughs> but June 11, 1981. Issei has Renee over in the promise of dinner and some pretty profound and intellectual conversation. Right. But um doesn't go that way because Issei finally has the wit and the will now to start trying to follow he through with these plans. He talked himself into it. Mm-hmm. So while she was reading the poetry with him again and translating it again, uh, he shot her in the neck with a rifle. Yeah, she's just sitting at his desk, you know, reading aloud, doing what she does, too. To make him... And what I love is that right after, he faints. Yeah, it's... Whatever self-conversation you're having to amp yourself up to this moment, it didn't last throughout the whole moment. Because you well, fade immediately. a lot of times that happens when, you, when your adrenaline is, like, that high. And you think, match that with all the anxiety you're feeling. And then, like, that pop, it... Just overwhelming. It's, there's a shock to it, right. and you kind of pass. You can pass out. Like a lot of people get that when they see blood. It's weird, right. but I think it, I think it is odd that he's been holding on and f- like fantasizing about these dark, like deviant things, and he can't even respond to it. It's odd to me. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about why he didn't choose another method too. Like a rifle is pretty to the neck. It's, it's a lot to like, take in. Yeah. Visually, it is, and what's what's crazy is that with with Renee, there was an instance in the past where he did, in fact, try to kill her, and he pulls the trigger and it's jammed, and Renee is none the wise about what's happening behind her, like doesn't even fully click over, doesn't clap. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this girl... I'm just cringing at that, like, girl, if you had turned around that one time, that one you, would, time. you would never find yourself there again. And so, it's just like, he. it happened one other time. It happened one other time. And so, he, he passes out. And when he comes to, he realizes that now he has Renee, who is now, has now died from her, from bleeding out. It wasn't even an instant death. No. Because uh, in an interview I was watching, said that she continued to talk, like, mumble words. Until she started to slump. Like, I'm sure it was like a help. Uh, some kind of pleading was faint words. He couldn't tell us. Cause we, awful. it's like a Michelle Blair where we're going on his words and no one else's. Right. Um, and so he wakes up and realizes this is it. Right. Like, I, I can do this. And do you want me to? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come in during the aftermath right. of this. <laughs> this is all, you can have this. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, and so he realizes this is, this is it. Like this is, and he undresses Renee's body and he proceeds to have sex with it. And after that, or even during that, he tries biting and doesn't succeed. But after that, he decides that he is going to eat her. He's going to start consuming her because he wants that energy, right? Yeah. And so. All this lovely energy. (sighs) So at this point, he leaves the apartment. No, it's too soon. No, too soon. It's too soon. Sorry. I wasn't done. I was just writing something down. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) I realized I said something that was insensitive. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, Final Four is too jokey. I can't talk like that. She's dead. Um, (laughs) Sorry. 
consuming her. So he starts with her butt. Starts there. And intentionally, I find it weird that he starts with her right one. And not her left, because he thinks the left is closer to her heart, and therefore it would be more bloody, and he doesn't want to faint again. Again, but he's... so strange. Nothing is making sense. You're so strange. Like, you're cutting people up. Why are you like this? And so he tries to bite it, fails, and goes to his kitchen for an 8-inch carving knife, and realizes that it's a little bit more uh, ease of stripping away flesh, and he talks about... He gets a very descriptive of the colors of the fat in a human body and he begins to eat her and he just and he discusses how he describes the the taste of it as almost tasteless like tuna uh, which is gross i'm sorry guys um (laughs) my face but now he's also presented with the problem that there's a bleeding body on his living room floor you really just ruined sushi thursday for me I don't eat sushi. Like I love that. sushi. You just really ruined it for me. Thank I'm a, you. I'm a texture guy, so I get I can eat like a California roll or a spicy tuna roll one, and after that I'm done. And that's if I have the spicy mayo, but we're not. That's not what you we're had here it. for. No, too. I didn't ruin it. You said well, I mean, he it. did. Yeah, you, he did. you picked this. So <laughs> he moves her body to the bathroom where he begins to dismember her the best that he could while he was in there, and now he leaves the apartment because he realizes he doesn't. He's not equipped. He realizes he's not fully equipped to actually really dismember and cut off certain pieces of the body. So he leaves the house um, and he he goes and he purchases, most notably, an electric kitchen knife. If you've never seen those things that you see, like they're uh, like as a scene on TV is where I see them the most. uh, They go in and up and down. Yeah, we use one to carve our turkey. You just ruined all things for me. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, And in Dahmer's style, though, he would cut, start cutting her up and start saving specific pieces. Mm -hmm. And mainly her thighs were like what he, what he says he enjoyed the most. But go, I'll I'll toss it over to you. Right. So um, at this point, he's definitely uh, eating her and taking different pieces of her and documenting it through pictures. And I actually did find a photograph online of what looks like various parts of a body. If you guys want to, if you guys are interested in looking at that. Um, But yes, he, he definitely ate her and in the various stages of eating her, he took photographs. And not only were there pictures, it gets even more twisted is that he would play the tapes of her reading while eating her body parts. Oh my god, why did I I did not see this in my research. And he used her clothes as napkins. Oh dear. Yeah, so <laughs> like this Two facts I didn't know until this, this uh, one moment. This affinity and affection for her like and her voice and who she was and like but still desecrating her. Um and in in this time he had left his left his home a few times. Uh, mostly to get rid of her clothes. Like he had gotten rid, of, he'd gotten rid of most of her clothes, torn some pieces off, but he kept her pants. Um, and which I'm assuming is a trophy. And which implies to me he hadn't gotten caught in this that this wouldn't be the last time, obviously, that he did this. And it's like I forget, very Dahmerish. Like we need to keep it's something. Very strange that he caught, like kept her pants. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a weird connection, uh, significant significance at all, at all. Maybe, but I just feel like that's what he wanted to do. He just wanted to keep trophies as uh, he wanted to remember uh, them by. But there's another dilemma that Issei runs into here, and in that it's June, and in Paris it gets pretty warm in the summertime. Right, and he had been at this for a bit over two days, and so that body started to smell. Yes. 
Yes, and unlike some of our stories we talked about, the smell that people ignore, or they're like, hmm, we smell something bad, he was very self-aware um, and decided that it was time to get rid of these bodies because he didn't want to get caught. These so <laughs> These body parts, I should say. Um, so he decided to do that by putting them in suitcases. He packed up two suitcases with the remainder parts of her body and decided to go to a popular park in France. I see. I see you didn't try to. I didn't. I didn't try to you say You gotta it. try it once. Oh, what? You just do this. The Beaux de Boulange. 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 Boulogne. I think if it's G-N-E, it's just an N sound. He just likes to hear me struggle. Like, you were going to say... I I was going to struggle with the French, too. You should see me in Montreal. I'm like, je voudrais... uh, Yeah, but I'm Haitian. There's like like parts of me that... I'm American. We're terrible. I should do better. Oh, yeah, you're right. French. You're right. I need to do do better. Hey, I might be almost possibly Haitian, kind of. My father's from New Orleans. There is a whole bunch of people that have... Like, I found out Angela Rye has a great grandfather who was Haitian. Yeah, there's a tons of Haitian people. Yeah. I mean, especially if you talk about like African-Americans in the South. Right. Like, oh, hundred percent. Right. There's they, a lot of Asian were mixes instrumental in, there. in like the mm-hmm. freedoms down there. At least, so. especially in Louisiana, in like Louisiana. Missouri, Arkansas area. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, but also there was a lot of things that didn't happen afterward that you could help with. But I'm not blaming you for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were in no position to help anyone, anyways, because the French just killed us after we got our freedom. I'm just saying you helped freed us, and I'm just saying there are steps. <laughs> I, I know, but we were still struggling. We are still struggling now. Um, hello, we all are. <laughs> no, Haiti, so- <laughs> Haiti should struggle. It's a different struggle, man. Don't be so selfish. They were. I was trying to get tickets to go down there because I've never been and I really want to go. And because of this coup that's going on with the government and all the protests and the riots, again, you can't take any flights down there. I mean, it's all right. You'll get there eventually. <laughs> you know, I'm proud of you for being <laughs> Haitian stuff. <laughs> That's a very weird comment. <laughs> Moving on. So he is struggling now with these two su- uh, suitcases, dragging him onto the cab. He is tiny. He's just, I don't, there, there was just no planning. He, Donna Scrivo, minimum effort. <laughs> so he he is very reactionary, you know? Right. He's very, there's no proactive anything in his mindset. He For just wants somebody things. With, and this is what kills me with somebody so much insight. How random he is. And it's like being introspective doesn't mean impulsivity doesn't exist. This he is, is just. This is true. He just wants. I always. And does things because he thinks about them. He's like, he just does things just to do them. Right. <laughs> because he can and well, not because he should. he wanted he to get taller. I don't know where he learned this. Right. And from. so you're right. He's struggling. They see this small man, this five foot nothing man, not even walking with these two suitcases that are heavy. Mm-hmm. and struggling he's getting attention and people are gawking at him right and at one point he panics and he tries his best to push the suitcases down the slope into the lake in this park but the only trouble is that the suitcases never made it into the water mm-hmm. and that one of them just happened to be bleeding like so what and this is this is the interesting part we talk about introspection here and this sign, there's something that just doesn't curl all the way over. This elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. Not at all. Because what happens here is, and this is what this is what Issei describes it as, that he just gets overwhelmed. He realizes that the sun set, the sun is setting, 
and it's red and the red is cascade like coming off the water and the trees and reflecting off bikes in the park and he's just entranced by the beauty of this sunset and gets distracted you just dumped a body bro you have dead bodies in suitcases and you want to stop to enjoy the scenery while you're in the middle of that's and that's how detached he was that's how disassociative he just moved on from it for that moment to experience mother nature and the only thing that snaps him out of it is he hears a woman scream and he's like what 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 is this and so there's a man as he looks down this slope again didn't make it all the way down a man is getting ready to open up his bag and asks him is this your suitcase and impulsively said no which if he might have said yes he might have saved him some time right but he says no so the man opens it because it's bleeding (laughs) and opens it to reveal the blood-soaked sheet and a foot sticking out from underneath that sheet to which the woman continues to scream (laughs) And now there's shouts of murderer happening because it's still the, it's the 80s. So. Right. And this is about, what, five days later. Um, and so it doesn't even say that he runs. No. They say he walks. No. Yeah. He walks away from this. No one tackles. He just doesn't bolt it, doesn't steal a bike, doesn't steal a moped. He walks out of the park. And I think I think that's it's again talks specifically about the, dis- the detachment he has from yeah. the situation. Yeah. Like once once it's over, like once he's done what he's done now, and he's just getting he acts like it never even happened. Like it's just this detachment um, is where I see the psychopathy and that that um, mentality. Uh, maybe in other things too, because even though he doesn't talk to himself with that grandiose, he does make everything about him. Yes. So there's still that aspect of the psychopathy that's there. Psychopathy, whatever. <laughs> here, here I am. And the cops obviously, (laughs) the cops are obviously called. And what the, one of the bonuses or pluses of this search is that one, they know what kind of person they're looking for. They're looking for an Asian man and a short Asian man. And they, and they got some. (laughs) First of all, you're Asian in Paris. Second right. of all, you're four nine Asian in Paris. Four eleven. Oh, I thought you said. I thought they said four nine. Four eleven. Okay. Four eleven in Paris, and not only that, but the people who discovered the body saw your face, and they know people also saw you get out of a cab with the suitcases. So they know that you took a cab to the park. They know you got suitcases. So there were searches on, um, there were searches on the suitcases. The fact that the suitcases had just been purchased not too long ago, right. and they know who purchased them, mm-hmm. um, but also. In this, they started contacting all the taxi companies in Paris, asking drivers if they can recount uh, picking up a short Asian man uh, carrying two suitcases. And after a few days, a driver comes forward and says, hey, I remember picking up a short Asian guy with two suitcases from an apartment building on a a wealthier side of Paris. I'm not going to say it. Is Altiel? Altiel? It's it's a fancy. Think of it like a a Greenwich Village, right? (laughs) It's... It's a ritzier part. Uh, you don't expect a lot of crime to happen in these spaces. A lot of houses. Right. A lot of places. He's running a flat. He's running like a mm-hmm. a little flat there. Uh, and so the apartment building j- also just happens to be super recognizable because it's the smallest one on the block. And it's also only the one that has one Asian man. Living there. Sublet <laughs> in there. You weren't getting away, my dude. Like you weren't, well... So naturally, the police were looking for this one Asian resident. Right. 
And so when they do is they find is that, yes, this guy has access to a firearm. They actually find the gun hidden in his bathroom. And so it's all these things. They also find what D in his body pieces, body parts. Like, so there's no cleanup. There's nothing. He knows he's lived in for three days. He was in this state of high anxiety of I could possibly get a phone call or a door knock anytime saying, this is you. We're taking you. And he does nothing to. He doesn't even like, dad, I need a plane ticket. Doesn't leave. Doesn't run. He goes home. <laughs> so easy. So like it, there's it's just there's so many things that don't make sense in this, Mm-mm. and so maybe he is from that planet, maybe, <laughs> and so he obviously with overwhelming evidence and witness testimony and being picked out, he gets arrested for the murder of Renee Halvard. He goes to jail, 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 jail. So while he's, kinda kind of let's let's unpack what happens <laughs> in the aftermath, you guys. So while awaiting trial, his father got him a really good defense attorney. Money I mean, answers all money, things. Money. It really does. Um, during the trial, they found him to be legally insane, and the judge wanted him locked up in the mental institution. So, you know, he was visited by people, and I guess at the eight in the eighties, like reporting this story people were like in disbelief this was rare this is authors are coming to visit him in jail all of this stuff uh, is happening he goes into i want to say some kind of weird celebrity yeah it's definitely definitely notoriety i feel like that's the less nice fun part right um so he actually ends up getting out now they made an agreement for him to be to leave to be extradited deported to japan uh, with the judge. Right. Because a French judge finds him legally, mm-hmm. like that he was obviously legally insane, insane right. when these things took place and he was unfit. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he gets shipped out to Japan and Japan would like to try to charge him or lock him away. But the documentations never make it over yeah. for any of this. Fr- apparently France... Either refused or dropped, yeah, yeah, the to, because they had dropped the charges. They refused to show the paperwork because the, the case was done, right. right? Which I'm just like, um. So the deal was, he goes and he's never to come back to France again, right? That was the deal. Um. Uh, so they couldn't legally detain him. He yeah. checked himself out of the hospital in August '86, and he's been free ever since. Now, from here, he becomes a celebrity in Japan. Yeah, he's... Um, I mean, this interview from Vice was, what, 20, uh, 2010? Uh, it is fairly recent. I remember when I was... Like, I think it's more recent than that. Yeah, 2013, maybe. Yeah. So, like, yeah, so... Currently, now, he's supposed to be elderly and to the point where he can't do much and he's being cared by by his brother. That's what they're reporting. But for a while, he was doing interviews, and he was known as the cannibal who walked free. Yeah, and he's he was in he was in a few movies, and right. It's it's so weird to he like went into celebrity. Yeah, I think it's the first story where we have this ending. Yeah, and he stepped, and not only did he just go into it, like most people, if you if you got if you gained some kind of notoriety in society, and it's for the most negative reasons, typically, yeah, you do your CNN interviews, you make your rounds, you earn your money, and you hide. You change your name. You wear sunglasses everywhere. This guy was more than willing to talk about the things that he did. Right. And 
the the boldness that he moved with was strange, but it's also this detachment. Like you don't realize that what you've done is wrong, um, or maybe. But I don't even want to say that because there's a there's also another quote that I had pulled out of here, and he talks about mm-hmm. how he realizes that by shooting this is a quote by shooting a bullet as small as my fingertip, I've hurt and changed many people's lives. And he goes on to say that there are many consequences to killing people. But had I known that earlier, many people would still be alive. Why does he keep saying many? Hmm. I, I got the first part of many people's lives would have been different because right. Renee's friends, her family, your life, your family. But who else isn't alive? Oh, snikes. I just blew my mind. When you he- know, you can't get rid of urges without any treatment, any nothing going on. How does these urges go away if you so strong? You're probably right. Yeah, because they, he they, had such strong urges from when he was a child. He never really had treatment. And treatment. you never learned any kind of methods of coping or shifting or like uh, learning how to, what's the word I'm looking for, of different behavior? Modifying, Modifying. behavior. Yeah. So you're just out here. So he's still alive, y'all. Yeah. Oh, man. I Ma- can't. But, but that's Ma- Issei and Sagawa. Un- right. And unfortunately... <laughs> For the parents of Renee, they never saw justice. No. You know, that's really what gets to me. Yeah. I you think- know, this we could laugh and giggle about his celebrity and say, well, he probably killed people, but like they never saw justice for their daughter. That is the sad part. And right. I if anything, when I when I was reading through this the first time, it was him being held in a mental institution. I was like, okay, well, as long as it's one of those um because I was trying to look for the name of the place they're they are holding him and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, I'm sure I missed it. I'm sure it was somewhere. It was one of those French names, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I figured, okay, well, at least he's somewhere where he can't move freely, right? He just no. can't. He's not like, fully participating in society. And well, then it becomes the whole, well, we need to get rid of you because we can't hold you. So we're going to send you to Japan. But what can Japan do unless you give them, them what the they need? Right. And so it's just. I don't know what that was with France. Like, you deal with your problems, he's going to eat your citizens. Like, people still travel. A, yeah, there was just a disconnect. <laughs> You're right. People still travel to other... And, you know, one of the things that the, the documentary that I was uh, watching on YouTube, like, he, the guy stated that people eat people, and it happens more often than we want to recognize. And I was just like, chills. Thank you, it's, sir. It's true, though. I've, I've watched... Um, Man, I'm, I'm messed up. But there is... <laughs> I am. There is a uh, there is a movie I watched on like the IFC channel when I was a child called Feed. I think I've told you about Feed. Mm-mm. I'm gonna let you borrow it and <laughs> torment me because of course I purchased it on DVD. What's wrong with me, man? I don't know. And I'm like saying things out loud. I'm like, <laughs> but it was talking about uh, people who like let people eat their body parts for sexual gratification and things like that, and it was dramatized. But I decided to Google it and on a school computer, thing. which actually got me in trouble. Oh, it was hilarious. I Googled it, my work study position, and my account, my school account got flagged. <laughs> and I got emailed. It was a mess. But <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I was intense. I was like, I was like, if I, what if I was studying like this and that? But it was like, no, you aren't studying that. That's not in your psych classes. <laughs> but, um, but it was no. So it talks about that and the, like, document instances in Germany. Italy, Europe, America, where people were found, like, in consenting, like, obviously not well, though, but right. consenting in allowing people to eat, like, fingers or their genitals, things like, it was, blew my mind that these so, things actually happened. I'm a vegan now. Oof. Not true. No, it's but, not, but this is a lot. 
that was that's it. Find us um <laughs> on social media at what did you do pod on Instagram and on Twitter. We are very active on the social media because I love talking to people. Yeah, more um, you more than I. I love pictures, so you can see me. Find her on Instagram and all my picture. Where glory. would they find that? What's your screen name? It's D underscore. What the frick? <laughs> sorry, D underscore. Um, no, sorry, D Isa. Yeah. D E E underscore I S A four. On Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at Charnel B. It's in the show notes. How to spell it. I quit today. Jeez. I'm going home. Um, You can find us there. Join the crew. Like us on Facebook. It's a lot of fun. I like seeing you guys interact and sharing things. I love sharing Florida stories. Yo, Florida is like the gift that keeps on giving. Florida is so wild. Why are you like this, Florida? I love you for real. Remember how someone got upset with me about Texas? Yes. I was like, you know who never drags me for talking about Florida. them? Florida. <laughs> because Florida knows that they're Florida. Florida people knows that they're Florida. And they accept it. Florida's like, I see you showed up. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm, yeah. My thing is always this. I was just like, just make it make sense. It whenever never I, does. Whenever I think of Florida, I just think of those cat videos of a cat like slapping a crocodile or alligator. Like These things shouldn't happen. <laughs> But we like you guys. I love Florida. I love Texas. Florida gave me Orlando Magic Basketball. Texas gave me Beyonce and Barbecue and great people. I have friends and cousins in Texas. I love everywhere in America. Um, just certain okay, pockets. Okay, Patriot, you better s- tell your story. That's right. I love all of America. I love probably. I love you, America. 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 Anyway, guys, uh, it's the secrets that keep you sick and make you sick. So if you pray for my brain. So. Take care of yourselves. Be gentle with yourselves. Uh, Keep your hands clean. That's it. I'm out of here. Later. Later.